Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in our faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve Jesus here in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to join us for either of our two services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Father, we thank you again for this morning, for the celebration of baptisms. Uh, Father, for, for all these students and, and young kids and their families uh, that are turning their lives to Jesus. Father, they are making eternal decisions, and we praise your name for that. We thank you that you've allowed us to be just a small part of that process. We pray that we are faithful to these people, Lord, to these students, to these families, to these children. Uh, Lord, as we continue to reach out, let your name be made known through the people of this church far and wide, Father. We want people to know about you and Jesus. And I pray for our time together now. I challenge us, Lord, as we read your word and study it. Transform us more and more into the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. In his name that we pray, amen. Take your Bibles up to Isaiah chapter 4. Isaiah chapter 4, we're continuing our study this morning through the book of Isaiah, just a verse by verse, chapter by chapter, exposition of the book of Isaiah. What is the Lord saying to us? What was the intent when he wrote it to these people in, in the 7th the century before Christ? What can we learn and apply to our lives? And so we see a lot of kind of big picture themes really throughout this book. Uh, we see themes of sin and failure, but, but built into that and into the fabric of this text is even in the failure and sin of these people, there's forgiveness, right? there's redemption, and it's a theme we still see today. One of the other themes that we see that we're going to really think a lot about this morning is the idea of looking ahead. Now let me remind you of where these people are, right? The, the two uh, groups have split up. Israel and Judah are separate kingdoms at this point. They have forsaken their relationship with the Lord. They sinned. They stepped away from exactly who the Lord wants them to be. And he's reminded them, Isaiah's reminded them in these first three chapters of their failures, their mistakes, called them to repentance. A couple of weeks ago, we saw the failure of the men, and we contrasted that with what godly leadership looks like in this world. Last week, we saw the failure of the women, and we contrasted that with godly woman leadership in the home, what that looks like and how we should think about that with our families. Now this morning, we're going to have this idea of looking ahead and hoping and thinking about how, remember this is written about 700 years before the birth of Jesus, thinking about how Messiah will one day arrive and what that will mean for the people of Judah and really for all the people of the earth. All right, so Isaiah chapter 4, beginning in verse 2. In that day, right, we're, we're looking ahead. One day this is coming. In that day, the branch of the Lord, we're going to come back to that phrase, very important, shall be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning, 
Then the Lord will create over the whole side of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. For over all the glory there will be a canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. Now remember, we've been talking about the sorrow here, the sin of the people, their rebellion their failure, and yet in the midst of this, in the midst of this, there's a glimmer of hope. Here's truth number one this morning. We find hope in Messiah. We find hope in Messiah. Now, the Old Testament is filled with messianic prophecies. Right? There are literally hundreds of prophecies in the Old Testament looking ahead to Jesus. But I want you to understand, this is really important for us. We've got the entire canon here. Right? We've got the full scripture here. The people of Judah, the people of Israel, the people of the Old Testament did not. So what we see in the Old Testament is this slow process of building this picture of exactly who Messiah is going to be. So you can kind of think about it like looking through a window. The people of the Old Testament are looking through a window... They're looking at Jesus, but the window is dim, and it's dirty, and there's stuff on the window. And so they can see that there's something there. They know there's something up ahead, but they don't understand yet any detail. They don't know exactly who he's going to be. They don't exactly know what he's going to accomplish. And as we read through and study through, especially the book of Isaiah, but really the entire Old Testament, as we study and read through this book... Isaiah slowly begins to peel back the layers. And we learn a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And so this morning we're looking ahead, right? So he begins verse 2 with this phrase, in that day. He's used this six or seven times already in the book of Isaiah, right? So there's the theme again of in the midst of sin and failure and destruction, we're looking ahead. In that day, th something's going to happen. And he gives us this phrase in verse 2 that's really, really important that I want to think with you about for just a few minutes. Isaiah chapter 4, verse 2. In that day, the branch of the Lord, and if you're taking notes, you should underline the phrase, branch of the Lord, shall be beautiful and glorious. Now, what's the branch of the Lord mean? Well, it's really important, right? This is one of kind of the fundamental uh, rules for scriptural interpretation. When you interpret scripture, you always use other scripture to interpret it, right? We don't ever want to take one passage of scripture and make that our proof text. Right? We, don't, we don't ever want to take just one passage of scripture and build a doctrine on that one passage of scripture. So what we do is we take all of the scripture, we take a lot of the verses of old and new, and we see what we can compile and learn. So the question is, are there other places in the Bible where this phrase, branch of the Lord, is used? Well, in fact, there are phrases really throughout Isaiah and the Old Testament that point to this idea. I'm going to give you a few of them. You can flip to a couple of them if you're quick, or you can write them down and look them up later. But Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, I want you to listen to the words of Isaiah. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of 
the Lord. Right? So Isaiah, again, uses this phrase, branch. There's this shoot from the stump of Jesse. Right? Something's growing. Something is one day coming. Isaiah 53, which I, I really look forward to getting to that chapter. It's probably the greatest Old Testament picture of Jesus uh, that you'll find. In Isaiah 53, verse 2, here's what Isaiah says. For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, no beauty that we should desire him. So, so we begin to see these phrases, right? Branch and root and young plant and shoot. And Isaiah uses all these phrases kind of interchangeably that one day something's coming. In that day, this branch will appear. In that day, this root is going to grow up. You say, well, is it just Isaiah? You see, the only place we see this, no. If you begin to kind of read through the Old Testament, you begin to see that there are lots of other examples of this phrase. For example, Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 5 and 6. You don't have to look, but jot it down and read it later. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming. There's the idea, right? Same idea here. We're looking ahead. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch. There's the phrase. And he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 15. In those days and at that time I will cause a righteous branch to spring up for David and he shall execute judgment and righteousness in the land. Right. So Jeremiah takes this theme of a branch, a shoot growing up. From him we'll see righteousness and we'll see glory. Now, Zechariah, another prophet of the Old Testament, takes this a step farther. In fact, he uses the word branch almost as a proper name. Listen to what he says in Zechariah chapter 3, verse 8. Hear now, O Joshua the high priest, you and your friends who sit before you, for they are men who are assigned. Behold, I will bring my servant the branch. Same phrase. Same idea. Later in the book, Zechariah 6, 12, and say to him, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is Branch. So I've kind of made a little chart for you on the screen. I want you to kind of see these Old Testament themes that are building slowly but surely to paint a picture of exactly who Messiah is going to be, right? In Isaiah 4, we see a branch is going to grow. Keep going, just go through all of them. In Zechariah 3, he will be a servant. Isaiah 4, he will be beautiful and glorious. Jeremiah 33, he'll be from the house of David. Isaiah 11, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Jeremiah 23, he will reign as a king. Right? We see all these ideas in Old Testament. We see all these, these pictures, all these reminders, all these prophecies that are building this case. And so those people living in Old Testament times found hope looking ahead to Messiah. They didn't know his name was going to be Jesus. They didn't know the details of his life. They didn't know where he was going to be born or exactly when. But they knew that a king was coming, a servant. He'd be glorious. He'd be from the house of David. The Spirit of the Lord was going to rest upon him. He would be a king. Now you say, okay, I, I get it. I see the Old Testament examples here. They're pretty clear. I can see the picture that we're building. But is there anything in the New Testament? Is there anything that would, that would tie this together and help us to see this 
a little more clearly. Well, Romans chapter 15, Paul is thinking about Jesus. And here's what Paul says in verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to conform the promises given to the patriarchs. And then down in verse 12, he says, And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will come, even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles hope. Now that phrase, the root of Jesse, is the same idea we've seen in the Old Testament. Right? This root, this shoot from Jesse, from David, from that line, is going to grow up to be a righteous king. And, and Paul connects this for us in the Old Testament, right? And we're talking about in Isaiah this idea of a root or a branch or a shoot. Paul says we're talking specifically about Jesus. Now that means two things for us. If you're a follower of Jesus, that should greatly strengthen your faith. Right, we've already talked about many weeks ago, Isaiah written 700 years before the birth of Jesus. It's a historical fact. Nobody disputes it. And so we see this author written hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus with this real picture here we're building. It's going to get clearer throughout the book of Isaiah. This picture of Messiah that will one day come. So as a follower of Jesus, this excites me, this encourages me, this strengthens my faith. This helps me understand that really from the beginning, God had a plan. Right? Jesus wasn't some random event. It wasn't some last-minute decision. It wasn't like on December the, uh, the 24th that God just kind of said, oh, we need to do something tomorrow to fix everything. From the beginning, God has had a plan. He's been writing about it from the beginning of time. As a follower of Jesus, that brings me a lot of hope, a lot of joy. It strengthens my faith. If I'm not a follower of Jesus, then I need to, I need to be intellectually honest with myself and ask my, my, myself the question, how does something like this happen? How does this guy who lived hundreds of years before Jesus prophesy, and again, as we get through the book, you'll see it clearly brought out more and more. How does he prophesy exactly who Jesus was going to be? So we're either strengthened by our faith, we're encouraged, or we're beginning to wonder, maybe Isaiah knew something, and maybe if I'm not a follower of Jesus, I need to pay attention because there might really be something to all this stuff about Jesus. So let's continue. Look at verse 2 again, Isaiah 4. There's hope in Messiah, right? In that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, and the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel, and he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. That's important. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, when the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Right. So we're seeing, we're looking ahead, we're finding hope and joy in what Messiah will one day be. That was the first truth. Here's number two. We receive salvation from Messiah. Right, it's not just that he'll be here one day. It's not just that we're going to find hope in him. It's not just that we understand the Lord's going to send him as a righteous king. But we're going to see salvation through the Messiah. Now there's several things to help us see that in this text. All right, the first one is in verse 3 right there. He talks about the people that remain in Jerusalem will be called holy. 
Really, all through Scripture, Old and New Testament, the Lord refers to His people, to His followers as holy. So we understand that He's talking here to believers, but He gets into some detail in verse 4 that are going to help us understand a little bit more about salvation. Listen to what Isaiah says in verse 4. When the Lord shall have, right? This is Messiah is going to appear. The branch is going to appear. He's going to be righteous and glorious in verse 4. When the Lord shall have, listen to the wording here, washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion and cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from its midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. And so Isaiah uses phrases here, right? Our guilt, our filth are going to be washed away. We will be cleansed, right? He talks about bloodstains. These are all words that the Old Testament uses for sin. So our sin is filth, right? It leaves a stain on our lives. Without the forgiveness of Jesus, it can leave a permanent mark. And so Isaiah is looking ahead to this time when our guilt and our filth and our bloodstains are going to be washed away, right? We're thinking about Messiah. We're thinking about this branch, We're thinking about this righteous king that will one day come. Don't know when, but when he gets here, he's going to wash away and he's going to cleanse because of his sacrifices all of our sins. Now, Isaiah has kind of already alluded to this. Remember, we're building this case towards Messiah here. But Isaiah in chapter 1, verse 18 has already talked about this because he said, Let us reason together. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. So here's what we understand about Messiah, right? They didn't fully understand it because the Old Testament, they're looking through the dim window, layers are being peeled. They're slowly gaining an understanding of who Jesus is going to be. We understand scripturally that this is the idea of justification. Now, that's a big kind of churchy word, but I want to define it for you because it's really important in this context to understand. Justification means... To declare righteous. Justification is an act of God whereby, listen, he pronounces a sinner to be righteous because of that sinner's faith in Christ. Justification declares a sinner to be not guilty before God and therefore treated as holy. Right? We are justified through our faith in Jesus, not because of anything that we do. Romans 3.28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Now this is important, right? Because we need to understand we are sinful people. And when we one day stand before the Lord, He's not going to see our sin and our mistakes. We're going to be clothed in righteousness. You understand that? Because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because... In in Isaiah 4, he's washed away the filth, he's washed away the bloodstains, he's washed away the guilt because of all that Christ accomplishes for us, because of the salvation he brings, because of his sacrifice. When the Lord looks at us, he doesn't see us, he sees the righteousness of Christ that clothes us. So you need to understand, there's nothing you can do to wash away this guilt. There's nothing you can do to wash away these bloodstains. There's there's nothing to do, nothing you can do in the words of Isaiah to get rid of this filth. It can only be covered by Jesus. So it's like we're hiding behind the cross. You understand that? 
We're hiding behind what Jesus did for us. And no matter how hard we try outside of that, there is no hope for salvation. And so we're looking ahead to Messiah, right? I I say this often, but all of the Old Testament looked ahead to Jesus and what he was going to accomplish. All of the New Testament looks back on who he was and what he sacrificed for us. So there's, there's hope in Messiah looking ahead for these people. There's salvation in Messiah. Now look at verse 5 of chapter 4. Let's wind this thing down. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night and over all the glory there will be canopy. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and rain. We find hope, right? Salvation, And now number three, we find protection and guidance through Messiah. Now this is a very applicable point for us today. We've already talked about the holiness of God. And and notice there in verse 5 that the the holiness is going to be over the whole site, right? The the whole area, the glory of the Lord is going to be evident to these people. Psalm 72, 19 says, The whole earth will be filled with His glory. So the the glory of the Lord is made known everywhere. But I want you to look kind of a little more specifically, a little more personally here in verse 5. The Lord will create over the whole side of Mount Zion and over her assemblies. Look, a cloud by day and smoke and the shining of a flaming fire by night. Some of you might be thinking, I've heard that somewhere before, man. I've heard that a, 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 a pillar of cloud in the day fire by night. Where have I heard that before? Remember, Isaiah is this bridge, right? We got the Old Testament. We got the stories of Abraham and Noah and Moses. And in the looking head, we've got all the disciples and the, the church of Acts and, of course, Jesus and what he accomplished. And Isaiah is really this bridge. And he bridges that gap for us, right? He's bringing Messiah to bear. He's painting a picture of Messiah. And so he's remembering, he's hearkening back, so to speak, of the Exodus. Remember the people of Israel, captive in Egypt for 400 years. Moses leads them out into the wilderness. And you may remember when they get out into the wilderness, Exodus chapter 13, beginning in verse 21, the Bible says, The Lord went before them. These are the people of Israel wandering in the wilderness. Went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they may travel by day and by night. So we see this pillar, this cloud, this fire do a, do a couple things. The first thing, it provides guidance for the people. You're like, man, wouldn't it be great if the Lord could just give me some fire at night and some clouds during the day and tell me what to do, right? Because I do it. Well, I would say to you, the Lord's given us kind of other ways. So I'm going to give you four very quick ways this morning that we find direction and guidance from the Lord. Very practical things. The first one is the Bible. I hear people a lot say things like, man, I got got a vision from the Lord, or I I heard a word from the Lord, or the Lord spoke to me. That's between you and the Lord. I'm not preaching against those things. The Lord can speak any way He wants to. But the primary way that the Lord speaks to us is through His Word. So maybe a word of caution. If you're the person that feels like the Lord's always speaking to you, but you're never really in His Word, it may not really be the Lord speaking. 
God's given us His Word. We don't don't need some special, miraculous things anymore, right? He used that stuff in earlier times because they didn't have the canon of Scripture. We do. If you want to know how He thinks or what He wants or His expectations, it's all in Scripture. The best place you can start to understand God's will for your life is in His Word. The second one is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 16, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And we're trusting the Lord, living in the Spirit. He provides guidance for us. The third is prayer. Asking the Lord to strengthen. Asking the Lord to encourage. I pray every day, Lord, what would you have me to do today, Lord? I pray in in every decision I make, Lord, what would you have me to do in this decision? What's your will for me now? How would you have me live? Lord, how can I honor you in this process? And then the fourth, very practical, wise counsel of godly people. Right? Surround yourself. Right? We should always be in the world, but not of the world. Right? We're living among unbelievers. I get that. We go to work. I get that. We, we share our faith on a regular basis out in the world. But we should have a, a group of trusted advisors, friends, mentors, use whatever word you want to use, that surround us, that give us godly counsel that help us think biblically, that help us grow in our faith, right? So there's guidance through Messiah. And then finally, there is protection. Look at verse 6, Isaiah chapter 4. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the rain and storm. You ever hope that you could have a refuge from the storms of life? Have you ever wished that there was protection from you? And if you... Just get a little bit of relief. I would say to you that all of those things are available at the foot of the cross. Jesus offered salvation. He offered hope. He offered protection. He offered guidance thousands of years ago. He still offers it today. And Isaiah 4 is, is this beautiful picture of hope. It's this beautiful picture of salvation. It's this beautiful picture of guidance, knowing the will of the Lord, and then protection that we find only in Jesus. Right? God's plan is of redemption. His plan is of forgiveness. And His plan is for restoration only found in Jesus. Your call is to trust Him today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the clear words of Isaiah chapter 4. Father, there's so many chapters in the Bible that maybe we've read once or we just kind of glance over, but when we stop and study and process and understand, we see just these beautiful pictures, Lord, of exactly who you are and exactly your love for us. And so I, I pray as followers of Jesus, we would take hope in this text this morning and exactly who Jesus is in his salvation, in his guidance, in his protection in our lives. Here we are, Lord, thousands of years later, and it's still true. And for the person that may be here this morning or may be listening from home or even is in our overflow area, Father, I pray that this truth, if they're not a follower of Jesus Christ, would resonate in their hearts. They'd want to know more about who Jesus is. They'd want to follow Jesus, repent of their sins, and trust him. Father, you use this time to speak directly to our hearts. 
May we trust you and love you and follow you in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. If you'd like to join us in person, we are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road. Or join us online at 11 a.m. each Sunday morning.